Hi, Vicky. How are you doing today? Yeah, not bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Um, just want to sort of, you've got a bit of an interesting background uh, and then you've gone into business, not through the uh, normal way what I think people generally get into business for. Um, so I'd like to sort of start on what what are you doing now? What What's your business? Um, how did you get into your business? And then obviously we'll go into your background after that. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast, first of all. It's um, the first one I've ever done, so I'm sorry if I come across not too well, but I will give it my best. Oh, you're all right. <laughs> um, so my business is called Refill Mill. Um, I started it during lockdown in 2020. Um, I was at the time on maternity leave with my second child, my little boy, um, and we're starting to become very, very aware of all the stuff that children come with um, and where what happens to all this stuff once you're done with it. So everything comes in packaging, everything either goes into their bodies or onto their bodies. And what is that? What, what are those things actually made from? Where does it end up afterwards? Um, and it really started to, to bother me. So as a scientist which is what my background is and I'm sure we'll move on to in a minute um, as a research scientist I decided to look a bit more into the science of how harmful like plastic packaging other types of packaging conventional products etc etc are for us and children and you know anyone on on the planet really um, and I was really quite shocked by what I was reading what I found um, so I decided to do something about it. So I decided to um, start a website selling sustainable goods that were better for you, better for the planet, that didn't create so much waste, um, just to make it more accessible both to myself and to other people in my local area and beyond um, via the website. Um, so that was kind of where the idea for it came from, wanting to source more eco-friendly goods um and yeah just kind of went from there really yeah so obviously the, the reason why i was so fascinated when we first spoke was because um you get a lot of people who sort of uh talk about sustainability talk about trying to be uh, eco-friendly carbon neutral but don't really come with any sort of um facts behind them or understanding of the reasons why they're trying to do it it's just like a buzzword oh well i want to be more eco-friendly because that's what's good for the environment. Obviously, when we we spoke, um, I think your science-based background allowed, uh, sort of show, showed me why it was obviously good to be eco-friendly. Again, I'm I'm trying to move more eco-friendly. Not saying that I am, but I think millions of people around the world are trying, but not sort of understanding why or the process behind what we're doing and why it works and, and, and why it doesn't. Not not to the extent, obviously, what what yourself might know or, or, or sort of other people have looked into it with a, a bit more of an academic brain. Um, and then what I found really good was you you spoke to me in a way where I actually understood it because a lot of the times I don't really understand the, uh, the, 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 the science behind it. So tell me a little bit. So what what is the harmful things what are going into our clothes um what obviously your 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 kids are wearing and, and what we're wearing day to day like what what's the issues with that and and what like what's the problem and why are we in that problem at the moment so when you're talking about clothes specifically obviously 
there are numerous fast fashion brands across the world which exist now and that's where most of us purchase our clothes from um the clothes are mass produced in factories that don't um, employ great um, conditions for their workers to work in. This is like widely known, you know, factory workers, etc. Um, in, in in the clothing industry, especially, there's lots of um, child slave labour going on even now. I know there's been big scandals recently with some big names being linked to it, um, and even even after saying that they're clamping down on it, it's been found that there are still factories employing children or not even employing them, just like forcing them to work without really um, paying them or treating them well at all. Um, and that's a big problem in the industry. Um, so that's one side of things. You've got like the actual ethics and the humanitarian um, side of things. And obviously these factories are in um, a lot of the time in third world countries or, um, or in India or, places um, where people don't have much opportunity and they are able to be taken advantage of. Um, and, and their laws and policies are also not, not uh, you know, very well defined and don't protect them very well. Um, and then because the process through which um, the supply chain occurs in the fashion industry, everything's so broken down. So I could decide right now, oh, I'm going to start a fashion brand um, and then I'll go to a wholesalers and I'll find some clothes um, that I'd like to sell in my shop. And then I just buy them from the wholesalers. But I don't actually know where the wholesalers have got those clothes from. And the wholesalers won't necessarily know who have actually made the clothes or maybe they know who they've got the clothes from. But then they might have been made somewhere else. And then someone else might have made the buttons or might have made the collar or, you know, like, and it all comes together in a, in a different step. So there's quite a long supply chain and you won't always know who's made what and where it's come from. So that's also another problem in an industry that's that huge. And then the other side of things is the actual material that is used to make the clothes. So a lot of clothes now are made from synthetic materials, um, like polyester is a major one, um, and they are plastic-based materials. So it's basically spun fabric, um, which gives the clothing some properties that people like so like stretchiness is probably the the best known one um something uh, waterproof my jacket's probably made from polyester um but it's secondhand so <laughs> i i don't feel well it's not great this is the other thing i come back to all the time so buying secondhand is better because you're stopping the stopping clothes from going to landfill you're you're keeping them in use for longer so whatever you're wearing isn't ending up going to landfill and polluting the planet but then if i'm buying secondhand clothes that's made from synthetic materials and when i wash it it's still releasing what we call microplastics into the environment so every time so this is another problem with fast fashion clothing that are made from synthetic materials which are plastic based is that plastic will shed tiny little pieces of plastic called microplastics and they can be literally nanometers so microscopic you wouldn't be able to see it and those microplastics go out into the environment they're small enough that they'll be um, blown away by the wind they could be taken up um, with water condensation into clouds and then be rained down somewhere else they're found microplastics 
on like the highest tops um, of mountains where people haven't even ventured yet or um, I think they've found them like on remote islands and yeah they, they've found them everywhere they're even inside the human body so there was a report that came out from a scientific journal earlier this year it was all in the news you might have seen it that microplastics have now been found in human bloods for the first time they've been found to cross the placenta into newborn babies they've been found in our lungs in our livers um, they're literally everywhere so doing things like purchasing clothes made from synthetic materials and then even just wearing them washing them releases more microplastics um, and it's not just your clothes it's almost everything that's made from plastics. That's why it's advised not to, um, say you store your food in Tupperware containers, and you probably heard the advice not to heat your food in Tupperware containers. So part of that is because that helps chemicals that are put in Tupperware containers to leach into your food, BPAs. Although most Tupperware now doesn't contain BPAs because most companies are very aware of how harmful they are. So BPA stands for bisphenol A, and it's a um, it's a um, compound that helps make the plastic more durable and helps make it a bit flexible as well. But it's also been linked to um, causing cancers and um, some other nasty diseases. So that so obviously having that in containers that your food sits in is not a good idea. Um, so anyway, so most companies have cut BPA out of the makeup of their containers. Not all, um, but yeah, most of them have now. Um, but that will be one reason why they say don't heat your food in Tupperware containers. And the other reason will be because when you heat the container, it will release microplastics and then you're just eating microplastics. Tea bags, another thing which are made from plastic a lot of the time or the seal that help, that glues it shut has uh, plastic in it and every time when you dunk your tea bag obviously in boiling hot water that releases I think there was a Canadian um, research group that looked into it and found that there were billions of microplastics in one cup of tea and then you're literally just drinking that um, so yeah all of these things and we just don't just completely unaware of it just have no idea most people just have no idea I mean, so, no. yeah <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast because um, although it's like a business motivational podcast it's it's 100% uh, something what I want to get across because um, as I said to you before like, I, I try and go um, a bit, little bit more sustainable but it's, as you say it's so hard I didn't realise about the tea bags um, I have stopped using plastic Tupperware I use glass Tupperware now um, <laughs> so I'm. Uh, I'm trying. I use. I use the bamboo teas when I play golf and things like that. So it's like little, just tiny little things. Um, but then my my argument is, is obviously I know bamboo's obviously more sustainable. But are we not like, like helping deforestation if we then go more onto the the paper side of things? Because obviously if we get rid of plastic and plastic, um, like uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, plastic bags or anything like that. We're using more paper, then surely that's got to be worse for the environment because can we grow back as much as we cut down long term? Yeah, that's a really valid point. And actually, that's why plastic was invented in the first place. So the man, I can't remember what his name is, but the man that invented plastic did so to save the trees, so to speak, to stop so many from being cut down and used for things like paper bags or other paper products. And... Um, 
I, I was reading an article the other day and it said he would be absolutely turning in his grave if he saw the extent of the damage that plastic has done, like how he created a material to substitute using natural materials and help save the planet, basically. But the production of it has gone wildly out of control um, and the mass production is just insane. Um, and yeah, he would be very, very sad to see how plastic has taken over the world. But yeah, but you raise a valid point. Obviously, if you um, get rid of all plastic and go back to natural products then and then you could potentially go back to using paper which is not good for um obviously cutting down trees that is one of the major issues with um uh, with the climate breakdown at the moment is that there has been mass deforestation across the world and that has loads of implications so then you get companies um creating new products new materials um or coming up with other materials to use instead of paper but that have very similar properties so you mentioned bamboo bamboo is actually a grass not a tree and it's highly regenerative so you could have like i don't know say a room full of bamboo and you could cut down the whole room to use the bamboo for um whatever product you want to make and that bamboo will grow back very very quickly i can't remember the exact figures but it was something like it will grow um a few meters within a few days or something so it, it it really it grows very quickly so that's why bamboo is used um in a lot of products now you see lots of toilet roll paper for example lots of toilet roll paper made from bamboo lots of wipes made from bamboo lots of um it's used as a cotton alternative as well so lots of clothing made from bamboo lots of reusable face pads are made from bamboo towels um bedding yeah loads of stuff made from bamboo because it's so regenerative but it has to be farmed sustainably still um so you do still have to watch out for the sustainable accreditation because again it depends on the farming methods um and the way that it's farmed and where it's grown and making sure that they're not doing things like clearing trees to make room to grow the bamboo because obviously that kind of goes against what what they're trying to do but as long as it's sustainably sourced then it's a really great really great alternative to um paper and then the other the other thing you get is recycled paper so paper is actually quite easy to recycle but then the flip side to it is okay you're not cutting down new trees you're not creating um virgin paper but the actual recycling process itself still takes quite a lot of energy and an awful lot of water to recycled paper into new paper so there's always that side of things to think about as well so people will often think oh well um this packaging says it's recyclable or this piece of paper or this card is recyclable um so that's okay i'm doing my bit by recycling um that's for me recycling should be a last result obviously before sending it to landfill mm -hmm. but really recycling should be a last result you should really be aiming to just reduce what you have or what you buy in the first place you shouldn't buy something thinking okay well when I've come to um, finish with this I can recycle it you should be thinking well I will never be finished with this I can use it forever or I can consume it as in like eat it or it can be um, composted or broken down you know to feed the plants and the trees or whatever um, so recycling isn't the answer and I think lots of people think recycling is the answer so I think that's another really important thing to to sort of bear in mind as well 
Um, and now I can't even remember what you asked me in the first place. <laughs> Sorry, I keep going off on a tangent. No, 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 no. That's good. You, I think you pretty much answered it. I, I basically said if you, um, if you, if you're using paper, obviously it can't source of deforestation. But obviously, you you made a really valid point there. With, I think anything. I think as humans, we, we, we go to the extreme of everything. So you said, obviously, if they're cutting down trees to use the bamboo, that's not right. But the problem is the more use of bamboo we'll have, the more companies out there in, in sort of forest areas will then just make more room by cutting down trees. So then, so how how do you stop that? It's kind of like a... It's, it's, it's all well and good. And I, I'm completely on, on like, agreeing with you. That's what we should do. But I'm trying to sort of look at the flip side. It's all well and good saying that we need to use more bamboo or need to use more sustainable sort of materials. But as a humanity, as a race, I feel like we just do things to, to hinder our race anyway every single time. So like this, uh, like the, I think it was the palm seed oil what I read the other day. They're cutting down parts of the Amazon forest just to grow palm seed oil, which is supposed to be better yeah. for you. But then it's, it's actually now environmentally... 10 times worse than what it was supposed to be. Um, so then you've yeah. got a risk of that when it comes to obviously using bamboo or, or more sustainable materials. Yeah, well, I guess if they're cutting down the forests for the trees, for the paper, or if they're cutting them down for the bamboo, mm. like, I mean, obviously, don't cut them down for the bamboo. That's terrible. <laughs> but I think, I think it comes back to um, how we operate as a society. Like you say, everyone everyone seems to just take everything to the extreme. And I think as a society, we should be trying to rein it in a bit and and live a bit more moderately. Like, do we really need so much stuff? Do we really need like a whole walk-in closet full of clothes? Like, do you really need that many clothes? Do you really need another bag? Do you really need whatever it is you think you need. Like, I think it comes back to all of us taking a bit more responsibility for ourselves, for our own purchases, and stop putting such demand on the companies that will then, you know, produce the goods that we are demanding from them as well. It is kind of like a two-way thing as well. They're making it because the demand's there. Um, I mean, they made it and people bought, but it can work two ways. So if people stop demanding it, stop buying so much of it, then they'll stop producing it as well. Um, but yeah, like I think it's uh, it's something that governments could probably step in and govern a bit better as well. They can set you know, harsher laws and policies, which is what should have been happening in, the, uh, in Brazil, in the Amazonian rainforest. And this is why... Bolsonaro, the uh, president, was so controversial because he kind of let things un slide under the radar, let deforestation continue because it made so much money, brought so much business um, to, to the country. But actually, it was totally wrecking the environment and not just for their country, but for the entire world, because the Amazon rainforest is obviously so important to the entire world ecosystem. Um, so now he's out and the new president's in, hopefully that should stop happening to the scale that it was happening at. But um, but yeah, I think governments need to really start stepping up their side of things and passing laws and policies to make it a lot harder for you know big corporates to do things like that, to clear space where they shouldn't clear space and and do things that are you know actively harmful to the environment. 
Yeah, because it's 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 not just harming us in the long run. It's it's obviously harming the the animals what live in the rainforest and the the, the many variety of species of insects and bugs and birds and uh, primates and everything like that. So it's yeah, there's a lot more to play. I think as again as as a race, we get caught up as in our oh, it's, it's just harming us. But realistically, it's, we live in conjunction with so many other living things on this planet. But mm. we're the ones who are, are wrecking the planet for. All, everything <laughs> and everyone I think yeah absolutely the the best argument for me is the one what you said about we uh we we, we have uh, microplastics like we eat microplastics we drink microplastics we breathe it in I've never heard that anywhere else and I think and that really sort of took me back because I thought well it's, it's you know how bad plastic is to so have that in your lungs that like a, an, an alien material in your lungs that's that can't be any good for anyone can it so I think that's got to be the basis of the argument, I think, like sort of moving forward to, to why it is so bad. Uh, yeah, definitely. That plastics are just, well, it's horrible. Plastics are also made from crude oil, which is um, obviously um, taken from the ground. It's a non-renewable source. It's the same stuff that you know, they use it's fossil fuel based, it's the same stuff they use for um, petrol and diesel, etc. So yeah, they're actually made from non-renewable sources as well, which is also really terrible for the environment. So it's not just the end product, it's actually the whole process of how they're made, how they're distributed, how they're used and how they're discarded of. There's absolutely nothing along that whole lifetime, like cradle to grave chain that is good for anyone or anything. Um, and yeah. In my opinion, well, I mean, governments have now passed laws to stop, to ban single use, some single use plastics as so straws were banned a little while ago. And I think them starting to look at banning um, like plastic cutlery, single use plastic cutlery and a few other things. But I mean, really, that's just small fry um, for what's out there. It needs like much bigger much better legislation to stop all kinds of single-use plastics really i mean introducing a, a charge for carrier bags in, in the supermarkets is great and it's definitely encouraged people to sort of keep hold of their bags and reuse them more but at the end of the day 5p for another bag isn't really that much of a big deal for most people and they will still buy the bags and throw the bags away and you know they're still there it's still the same thing it's you, you could call it a bag for life, but I don't know anyone that's probably kept one of those bags for more than a few months. Uh, so I don't I don't really see that as the answer in itself. Um, yeah. So yeah, some big changes I think need to happen in, in, in our society and the way that we live. So what, what would the perfect future for you be in terms of obviously how we live and, and legislate, legislation passed? Um... I think we need to move away from fossil fuels. So that's obviously something that's a very hot topic at the moment. Um, we need to stop drilling for new oil um, and gas. And once that has come into place, then you won't have those raw materials to make things like virgin plastics anymore. Um, and we'll also stop the use of fossil fuels um, for you know our energy requirements and cars etc that's contributing so much to global warming and um, and is ultimately going to cause huge climate chaos and 
well i mean it all pays back into the economy again because if you have um the collapse of the climate then whole societies are going to end up breaking down and there won't be people in their homes in their places of work to do business anymore and you know economies are going to be disrupted as well so and it all ties in together um so i think that's probably a good place to start is to um push through those um you know that rapid transition to greener energy um and yeah try and get the government to sort of ban any virgin materials like virgin plastic being made um plastic i'm 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 like making it sound like plastic is evil and no plastic should ever exist in the entire world that's not entirely true like plastic does have a place in our society and there are some very useful elements to it, otherwise it wouldn't have been invented in the first place, like especially in the healthcare industry, um, in hospitals for when you need things that are sterile or, um, you know, some things do need to be thrown away. You can't use them again and again. They do need to be single use. And there is a place for that, I think, but it needs to have a limit. So mm. if that, that single use plastics are limited to um, cases where they needs to be so like in a hospital setting for example then that's fine that's manageable like we can manage that we can we can take that under our belt and you know like just absorb whatever the outcome is but if it's at the scale that it is at the moment you can't you can't keep that under control so if we can all as a society just try and do without those kinds of materials then those people that actually need it can still use it and still make use of it and the rest of us can get on absolutely fine with something that perhaps might not seem as convenient in the first place, in the first instance, but you very quickly get used to, you know, remembering to take your bags or whatever it is with you um, and just use different materials. A lot of the time it's a lot nicer, much better quality, they last longer and this works out, um, you know, cheaper overall as well. It's, it's a little bit like asbestos. So obviously, asbestos got banned uh, in, I think, 2004, officially, weren't they being allowed to use again. But there's still only two um, two companies in the world who are allowed to trade in asbestos, basically, or in Britain, at least. The NHS and Ministry of Defence, uh, because the tanks, the army's tanks are lined with asbestos and X-ray machines are, are completely lined with asbestos. So it's, it's a similar sort of thing. Like, you can definitely get away with doing that where it's... It's a rule for maybe the NHS or, or um, like government-based contractors for for like Ministry of Defence and, and things like that. Um, and then yeah. again, when asbestos got banned, um, no, well, when it, when it got obviously it's a it's a mineral anyway, so no one really realised how bad it actually was when it got banned. It was a sort of a bit of an uproar because asbestos is 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 a miracle uh, mineral. Um, or how good it is, but it's exactly the same. It's called exactly the same as obviously what plastic is getting into your lungs and, and causing cancer. So realistically, plastic probably is the, the new asbestos. But it what what so we're sixteen years sixteen years um no nearly twenty years now since asbestos got banned completely, and no one uh, yeah. no one goes near it anymore. No one touches it. The mindset around asbestos is yeah, it's bad, but obviously it does have its uses. It is in certain places sometimes, but we leave it alone. And probably, sort of, if uh, if action gets taken with with sort of plastics and 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 them kind of products, then it probably will have the same effect within twenty years, which I suppose will go a long way to help cleaning cleaning everything up. Yeah, absolutely. Like companies are already starting to look at alternative packaging for their products, say like their skincare products or your shampoos, conditioners, your toothpaste tubes, like what whatever it is. Like almost everything comes in plastic. 
but there's so many alternatives out there and you know the the price point is probably most companies issues and why most companies still use plastic because plastic is cheaper because it's so widely produced and so cheap to make but over time hopefully as plastic starts to you know we start to wean ourselves off of plastic so much and other materials are used more so say things like glass or silicone or aluminium so glass and aluminium are infinitely recyclable so if you use um, you could buy a toothpaste in aluminium tubes for example you can easily recycle that toothpaste tube but if you buy a normal toothpaste tube that's made from plastic it's made from like a few different kinds of plastics that are almost impossible to recycle so that will just go and sit on a beach somewhere until some poor seal swallows it or something and 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 it's no good so (laughs) if we could just like make the effort to actually switch over to these materials and um maybe it'll cost a little bit more initially and i know that's not accessible to everyone but the more people the more companies that adopt it the cheaper it will become becomes you know more normal so to speak and um and then yeah can you hear me still yeah 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 i I lost you for a second in the middle but it's fine um yeah i mean one one of the things for me is is i watched uh see spiracy last last year or the year year before whenever that come out and it's the amount of plastic what's at the bottom of the ocean and uh, animals Mm. are uh, they don't know where it is obviously fish are swallowing it turtles are getting caught up in it um it's actually incredible. You don't realise like how bad, how bad like, the, the consequence of you throwing a plastic bottle away is to to, to the environment around you and, and sort of the animals, not just us, everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the seas are in a terrible state. Oh, I've lost you. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, can you see me? Because I can't see you at all. Anyway, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, the seas are in a terrible state. And um, they've got the deep sea trawlers are what cause a lot of the damage. They just literally put these enormous nets with weights that sink right to the bottom of the sea and they span enormous areas and they just like scoop them along the seabed for vast distances, picking up literally anything that's there just to get the fish that they want so you could get like dolphins and sharks and all kinds of turtles and all kinds of animals that you wouldn't want to see caught in a net will get caught up and if they get if they make it onto the boat and they're not what they want they they'll normally just like chuck them over side they might be dead already they might they might not be if they're lucky but yeah most of the time that deep sea trawling is um killing like millions of marine marine wildlife while also unsettling the floor of the ocean which releases carbon as well because the because uh, the ocean is one of the biggest carbon sinks in the world so it stores carbon in the ocean floor and if you start messing with it it starts to release it um so that's also a big problem obviously contributing to then global warming um and yeah, it's really, it's really scary. You see these pictures of turtles with like the rings from a six pack of beer around their neck. And my, I've got a good friend, she's a vet nurse and she's out in the Maldives at the moment, um, rescuing some turtles. And she said the majority of them have 
some kind of plastic um, around their heads or around their bodies. And they actually, they sometimes they get plastic or it's normally fishing nets, fishing lines. A lot of the plastic is actually from fishing. Again, more um, government policy needs to pass, more stricter laws need to be in place to stop the big fishing companies from, you know, releasing all these all their lines and their plastic fishing gear into the oceans. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's mostly like fishing lines that get stuck around their bodies and then their shells actually grow around the, the plastic lines. So then they end up almost like a figure of eight look because the plastic is constricting them in the middle. It's just horrible. And, um, and sort of sometimes they'll swallow plastic. So balloons, balloons are another thing that are, that's really, really bad, especially for marine wildlife and birds and stuff. Um, you get people that release balloons into the air, like either as like a commemorative thing or at weddings or, you know, like it's, it's a nice thing to do, yeah. like release the balloon in the air, a special message, it goes to heaven or, you know, whatever, whatever it's for. But what goes up must come down. And actually, those balloons are killing loads of wildlife. And um, you'll get things like turtles swallowing those balloons. And then they get stuck in their stomachs and they can't hold down any food. And they literally starve to death. And, yeah, so there's lots of things that we do, like just, you know, casually tossing aside whatever plastic thing it is. Um, or balloons without realizing the impact it actually has on other other animals and yeah so you, you yeah. yeah it's it's very yeah it's very cute. but you brought up a point um about the global warming so i'm going to sound ignorant here but i'm going to ask you because i know you'll be able to tell me in a way what i'd be understand but is the global warming what we're seeing now? Is that just not a result of sort of the the world goes in cycles, um, and we've seen it heat up and cool down in the past, obviously over thousands of years, apparently. Um, so is it not just a cycle rather than what we're actually contributing to ourselves, or is it not a cycle and it's a hundred percent obviously our doing or a bit of both? The world, it does go in cycles, but what has happened in more recent years, so since the Industrial Revolution over the last 100 years, 70 to 100 years, the rate of warming is completely unprecedented and unnatural. When you compare the statistics of the rate of warming now compared to other warmer, cooler cycles, I mean, it's ridiculous. It will be like, the graph's kind of like that and then you get to now and it's like that like it's that drastic and obvious and you if you look at any of the um, scientific reports they will say with 99.9 percent confidence that current global warming at the rate that it's warming is down to human activity and you can literally see on the graphs that since we started basically burning fossil fuels so oil gas and coal um that those charts have just gone, just peaked. They go way up um, because of the amount of um, CO2 and greenhouse gases that are being released into the environment. And it gets to a point where um, the atmosphere and the world can take so much of that heat. So you'll see the oceans will start to warm, but it's like, it's like if you're in a bath and you get in the bath and it's nice and warm, and then it gets a bit cooler and then you turn the hot tap on 
and it gradually starts to warm up again but it might warm up to the point where it gets pretty hot but because you're already in it and you're gradually warming up with it you don't really notice how hot it is until it's yeah exactly whereas if you had it that hot in the first place you never would have got in it in the first place um Mm. So that you, the, so the water in the bath in you can take that heat for a certain, you know, up to a certain level, and then and then it just you can't take that heat anymore. And with um, all the different ecosystems and habitats in the world, they will all react differently to the heat. So you'll see the glaciers are melting, sea levels are rising. Um, You'll have um, animals in the water as the water level, uh, as the water is rising in temperature, there'll be certain animals that can't survive in those warmer waters. So you'll see species starting to die out as the water levels rise, then um, coastal regions will become flooded and certain areas of land. People will have to literally move home because they'll lose their homes to flooding. Um, And again, you'll have species that live in those areas that won't be able to survive that um, and they'll become extinct. And there's you get these feedback loops, these triggers that start to happen. So as something bad happens um, in one place, it triggers another event, which triggers another event. And then you get all these feedback loops happening. and once they start it's very or it's very hard or impossible to stop them and that that is what um, most scientists are desperately trying to stop from happening that's why i was trying to set a limit of one and a half degrees warming even that will cause yeah some terrible um consequences but not as bad as if it goes even higher but that is what they worry about is that these feedback events these feedback loops will start to happen um, and it will become uncontrollable. So you'll get um, like in the tundra. So tundra is like frozen ground. So that's like um, Russia. You know, like Russia is very, very cold. And you get parts of Scandinavia that are very, very cold. And the ground is frozen all year round. Well, that ground actually contains a lot of carbon dioxide. If that ground warms up, um, then all the, all the little creatures that, died millions of years ago and have been basically stored in that frozen ground as tiny little creatures because it's frozen pretty cool um but as that melts and those creatures will then start to decay and that decay will release tons and tons and tons of carbon dioxide into the air and as that carbon dioxide goes into the air it warms the planet and then that causes another effect with more sea levels rising and and then you get storms and you get droughts and you get wildfires. And so that's why you're seeing an increase in all of these, um, you know, weather events is because this is what's starting to happen is these feedback loops. Something happens in one part of the world, has an impact on another part of the world. And then they all just start feeding into each other and it gets worse and worse. And that's what, you know, a lot of scientists are very worried about and why are trying to limit the the um, temperature the one and a half degrees doesn't sound like a lot but it is it's a global temperature not just like you know mm. within one place like for us if we're in the uk and and it's 14 degrees one day and then 16 degrees the next day we'll be like can't really notice a difference so it's not a problem 
but that's not that's not how it works. Like, I don't know. In England, uh, people start moaning that it's too hot at sixteen degrees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't please anyone, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's 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 funny because obviously I've never looked at it like that before, um, but we're, we're we're essentially creating more carbon dioxide by uh, trolling the the uh, sea floors. Obviously, the ice melting and then then um, decaying of of insects are creating a lot more carbon dioxide. All the while cutting down more trees, which obviously removes our carbon dioxide. So we're at a point at the moment where we we I mean. It sounds like we're screwed. <laughs> have we have we got a way back or <laughs> this is this is it and that's why uh, that's why I was so shocked when I did my research that things have gone so bad and and it is a bit overwhelming sometimes. And there is a genuine condition, I kid you not, called eco anxiety. <laughs> so some people that look into this kind of thing genuinely get and like genuine anxiety and depression about it because you're like you're literally talking about the extinction of mankind like that sounds so dramatic but and hopefully it won't come to that hopefully it won't come to that but maybe not the extinction but uh, there was there will at least be um some major changes to the way that we live and you know how society functions and like how do we stop the worst of the consequences from happening because that's the stage we're at now like it's happening it started things are going to get worse you can't just put the brakes on and stop it dead like things will continue to get worse but if we can mitigate um right now stop the worst of it from happening so try and limit the warming to one and a half degrees that's why you see all these climate post protesters doing you know crazy things and being generally quite annoying it's because they know how desperate the situation is and they want the government to listen and they want the government to put strong laws and, and policies in place to stop it from happening because and by and that will be by stop you know like stop oil just stop oil like just stop digging up oil that is the main thing is the is the fossil fuels um like air travel things like that um so um i think I think though yeah. the the protesters um, go about it the wrong way. I, I understand they want to obviously put their their voice out and and people listen, but it does get to a point where you just think I'd actually rather just use more oil just to just to annoy you now because like the some half the things they do like they're stopping traffic like they're stopping people from getting to obviously extreme cases but getting to hospital appointments or seeing mm. seeing someone in hospital who could be ill or giving birth or like going to the snooker the other day and, and pouring orange stuff over them or or um uh, destroying priceless pieces of art like that yeah. i don't think that's the way to get attention i think the way to get attention is having conversations like this my platform's unfortunately not big enough, but like <laughs> platforms like like platforms like podcasts or or um, where you can sit there and have a debate. Like, I'm not I'm not the smartest person in the world when it comes to, to things like this as well. So I'm and and I'm, I'm pretty much agree with everything you say anyway. So I'm not going to ever sit here and debate. But like putting somebody who knows what they're talking about against somebody who's like anti uh, sustainable and just have a debate, just have have a have a, a a proper conversation where it's no sort of heated arguments. You're just putting your points across and let people decide. Because at the end of the day, the facts are the facts. Um, we are, I mean, we we we're killing animals, we're killing insects, we're killing various species of of obviously animals. We're, we're killing ourselves 
um, we're destroying our planet on a daily rate. So the facts speak for themselves. So I think the way to go about it is not how they're going about it. It's, it's, a, it's about having conversations. And I think the times I have seen them have a conversation on, say, like a news outlet or something like that, rather than staying sensible and, and sort of putting their points across like how you are now, they then start insulting you and, and start getting sort of um, a little bit higher rate. And I feel like, again, you're not going to yes. allow people to listen to it if, if you start doing that. Yeah, no, there, there's a way to go about things, I think. I agree with you with that. And, like, I personally like to engage with my local community and just try and raise awareness of, of what's going on and offer solutions to being able to live a bit more sustainably because you can't expect people to to live more sustainably, to buy products that are more sustainable that you still need in your everyday life if they don't have access to it because you know they're not that easy to find so that was how I ended up um, starting my business and yeah so like you say having those sensible conversations with people on the ground is how I like to go about things like I get why the protesters do what they do and I get how frustrated they feel um, they have those conversations with government, with MPs, and they feel like they're not getting anywhere because they're not seeing the big changes that are needed um, actually being made. And and then you see that the government are actually giving massive tax breaks to fossil fuel companies, and they're you know like all of their they get subsidies um, for producing more fossil fuels which are paid for with our tax money and they're seeing like these you know bumper profits um record profits from the last few years while everyone's struggling to pay their energy bills and it's not right and i get that they're frustrated and i think that's where it all comes from and I, you know again i'm not saying that that's the way i go about it but i get it like i get why they feel that way they feel frustrated and and why they want to but i was reading something the other day about um you know, historical protest groups and how they went about their uh, their protests and how they managed to, you know, get whatever they wanted to get approved. Um, approved. And one of them was the suffragettes, um, you know, when they were protesting against women not being allowed to vote. And I was shocked by some of the tactics that they used. They used to, like, throw fires onto public transport like tra i think one of them for a fire or set fire to a moving train or um they'd like yeah do all kinds of not very nice stuff to the general public and i think you know as uh modern day people we have the luxury of looking back and be like oh yeah the suffragettes they were heroes they they you know a lady literally died because she threw herself in front of a horse we all know that bit she literally died for our right to vote but then um i didn't know some of the harsher tactics that they used just to be heard um so that was quite interesting and actually a lot of the protesters now don't do anything like that i mean that was you know you do get some rogue ones that do some pretty um pretty not yeah not great things but i haven't seen anyone set fire to a moving train yet <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows you history is written by the winner isn't it if, if the if women didn't get the vote you'll be sitting here however many years later saying yeah, they was that was basically terrorists, and and we handled them. So it just shows yeah. that history definitely does get get written by the winner. Um, yeah. What was your so obviously when you was a scientist, what was your I don't know uh, like what what did you study or what what did you sort of 
working? What discipline of science did you work in? Is that the right way of phrasing that? Yeah, so um, so I was biomedical sciences. So I did uh, an undergraduate degree in human anatomy and cell biology. Um, so I always fascinated with the human body and how it works. I like to know how things work. Um, and then I went on to do a master's degree in um, biological anthropology. So that's studying the skeleton. So it's learning the anatomy of the skeleton and then um, but also how you can determine um, if someone had certain diseases, what their ethnicity was, like just from their skeletons. So say you had an archaeological dig or even a forensic find um, and there were only skeletal remains left. You can literally identify from a fragment of bone what that bone is, if that person was male or female if they were um, of Caucasian origin or if they were of Asian origin or what, whatever whatever it was, um, if they had a certain disease, if uh, how old they were, there's all kinds of things that you can tell from the bones. So um, that was really interesting. And then I did a PhD in developmental biology. So I was studying the head and neck structures of very early stage embryos um across some different vertebrate species so it was a comparative study um and then i after i finished my phd i moved on to doing some postdoc research postdoctoral research in um cardiac stem cells so that's um stem cells in the heart and um and it's a very it's only a recently found population of stem cells in the heart so we were just trying to characterize them and understand how we could encourage them to work a bit better in the adult heart because they're there they just don't do very much the stem cells are the sort of cells that will help repair and regenerate um so if you get a cut on your hand for example it'll be the stem cells within your skin that generate new cells to repair the skin and you know cover over the cut um anyway so yes yeah, so that was postdoc and then I moved um, moved groups and I was working in a different lab where we were looking at um, diseases and other pathology down the microscope at the cellular level um, which was all really interesting and all amazing um, and we I used to work with a lot of uh, cancer biology research and um, some developmental disorders and skin disorders brain disease um, yeah, all, all kinds of things um, so obviously through all my research, through my background, I know how to research. I know how to look up scientific papers. I know the right places to look. I know how to um, look at them with a critical eye as well. So all of these scientific papers that I would look at are obviously researched and written by other scientists and they're all open to what we call peer review. So other scientists in the field can read their work and continue to build on it um but then also question what they've done and make sure that it is actually of a good standard and um and just make sure that the process that they've gone about doing that work is actually the right way so you you learn to have a real critical eye and sort of call out anything that doesn't look like it's been done that well or you know or if it has as well it works both ways so that's so that so i think that's where my strong where my strength comes in now I've sort of stopped doing that and I've moved into starting my own business but in this particular industry I think 
um, you know, having that scientific background and knowing where to look to get the facts and the science behind everything that we've just talked about is a real strength for me. And, um, and I think that really helps my credibility and which overall helps to build awareness of the cause because like we touched on earlier, I didn't start this business for my own personal profit. I started this business with a purpose to try and, you know, improve sustainability in my local area and further afield and um, and help people just, you know, live a bit more in tune with, with the planet, really. Try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I understand it. And that's obviously why when we met, I was so intrigued because, as I said, you get so many people who, who say certain things but can't actually back that up with facts or, or um, any research. But everything what we spoke about before and, and, and today – um, and I've really refrained from talking to you because I, I didn't want to keep having to repeat or you have to repeat answers because I am interested in pretty much everything <laughs> what, what you do and what you've done in the past. I'm actually more so interested now I've realised what, what science you sort of did uh, research with these stem cells in the heart as well because um, I've got a bit of a dodgy ticker so <laughs> that would be interesting oh, to, to understand. Yeah, But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something what I think it's intrigued me massively. And, and as I said, I think we're, we're in a society now where everybody wants to try and help, everybody wants to try and do better, but don't necessarily understand why or how we're doing better, to, to do better. Um, but yeah, your your science-based background definitely does help in that. One thing you said to me, actually, when we when we first met was um, you, you, you could stock things in your shop that isn't necessarily sustainable, but could be packages being sustainable. But because uh, what, what what might drive better profits? But because obviously you're not doing it for for yourself. You're doing it for your 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 kids and your local area and and future generations. That's something obviously what you you will never do. Which again, for somebody in business, um, generally you don't hear people have that much um sort of morality is that the right word around yeah um around their business because at the end of the day business needs to needs to make profits and needs to grow to 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 sort of give the entrepreneur the life what they want and that's the reason why they went into the business in the first place but the fact that you've got that um uh, that mindset i think it's really it says a lot about yourself and says a lot about your business which um for me is is such a brilliant thing and, and fascinating that's obviously why i went to talk to you and, and sort of let everybody else hear uh and get an insight into your your mind <laughs> oh thank you yeah i am very fussy with what i have in the shop and a lot of the time you know i do think oh i could be stocking something that does make me a bit more money and i really need that money because you know things are things are tough out there at the moment but I, I can't like I can't do it that's not my morals that's not what I'm about and those products just are no good anyway mo most of the time I mean sometimes you get nice products but the and the profit margins just aren't quite good enough and I and I do try you know say to myself well this is my cutoff point and if the profit margins aren't good enough don't fit to my absolute minimum then I just can't stock it doesn't matter how good or amazingly sustainable the product is at the end of the day this is a business like you say and we do need to make money otherwise the business itself won't be sustainable and then I'll be out of business and not able to offer sustainable goods to people so I do need to be really careful in that way 
and um and I try I do try um but everyone's so nice as well because they're all independent makers and you form relationships with people and I'm a people pleaser naturally I don't like to let people down or make people feel sad but I have learned to be a bit a bit harsher and be like you know it's not personal it is business so um so yeah I um I have learned that I do need to you know also make some money but I will never compromise on the goods themselves um it's only ever about you know whatever negotiations I can make with the supplier themselves and if they don't if we aren't able to agree then I'm not able to stock them but actually that's never happened so far so so it's been okay well maybe a couple of times but I wasn't stocking them in the first place if you if that makes sense but, yeah. Um, but yeah I do have to be quite careful because my margins are definitely narrower than in other industries um but obviously I do still need to make money so mm. yeah that's been that's been a tough one for me moving from science into business is sort of adopting that more business sense that more business side of things because that doesn't really come naturally to me but I, I it has to doesn't it I have to do it so I think I think um I'm just gonna turn the light on so so sad just put my light on. yeah of course um I think uh I think with within business uh, the biggest thing about success in business is passion um so obviously profit margins and and determination and and knowledge and networking are obviously important things but I think to to run a successful business you really need that passion because at the end of the day you've got to get up every single day you've got to have bad days and and at first the bad days definitely outweigh the good days you get days where you think I don't want to do this anymore I can't do this anymore I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel but if you have a passion for what you're doing um and that dedication of just sort of turning up and and sort of carrying on no matter how bad you feel or how how bad you think your day's going or your week's going or how bad your profit is that week and you might even get to the end of the week and not even make any money and think I can't I might not even be able to turn the lights on the week after next but the dedication and passion I think is what drives people to successful businesses um and obviously you've definitely got that dedication and passion because as you said you're not you're not doing it for yourself you're doing it for a greater future which again is is very admirable admirable i hope so i hope so i mean tiny little me and my little shop and my little business probably isn't going to have a big impact overall but at least i feel like i'm trying and to be fair it's our first birthday this weekend so i have recently worked out how many plastic bottles we've managed to save from landfill just from getting people coming in to refill their bottles and it's probably around a thousand bottles so i'm pretty proud of that that's, that's not good bad. that's a good one yeah. that is good yeah. so what have you learned in your first year of business or your sorry your first year of owning a uh, a, a sort of a face front in business because obviously you had a website before and didn't you Yes, I had the website and I was doing some market stalls. But yeah, being in the shop has been completely different. Um, I have learned to, um, oh gosh, I don't know, so many things. Manage my time a bit better. Mm. <laughs> Trying to like split the admin, the ordering. I've learned to budget better because it's very easy to order loads of stuff and then forget about paying the bills and etc. So 
budgeting has been a good one. Um, I've learned about um, relationships with suppliers, relationships with customers, and that, that really it's all about, like you say, having passion um, and customer service. So I think when people come into small shops like this, and especially a shop like this that has a purpose as well, they really want to talk to you, like to me, and hear my story not not everyone obviously but they want to know like where I've come from what my purpose is how I'm helping them the difference that they're making like they want to feel like they're doing something good that and that just by even coming in the shop they're doing something good so building up those customer relationships have been so important to keeping the business going um because obviously we we massively rely on regular and repeated footfall from the same customers while trying to draw new people in um, diversifying the business so not just relying on people walking past and coming in the shop like trying to make connections with other businesses and trying to do business with them as well trying to get different things different reasons for people to come in the shop um so I recently started doing um, getting fresh bread and pastry deliveries a couple of times a week just to draw people in that probably aren't that bothered about sustainability but might like a fresh loaf and just to get them in the door and then they'll look around and be like oh what a good idea oh what a nice shop and even if they're not that bothered about sustainability itself they might like something and even if they don't buy it like maybe tell a friend or a family member so yeah just trying to be a bit more creative about creating new ways to do business as well um so yeah, it's really pushed me out of my comfort zone and got me thinking outside the box a lot of the time and I've still got a hell of a long way to go and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in our second year. Um, but yeah, big learning curve. Um, do you have any advice for me? Um, my biggest advice is just just keep going. Uh, it's, it's that just turning up every day. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for um, people like resilience more than anything. Um, as I said to you, there's, there's, there's always times where it's, it's really hard and you don't know if you want to do it. It's grueling. And listen, if, if, if being in business was easy, everybody in the world would have their own business. It's, it's a, it's a hard, hard way to make money. It's a hard way to, to earn a living, but having that resilience and just keep going, um, and then trusting your gut, learn that. Um, so, so I'm I'm very much of a mindset that a lot of the stuff that we do um, is in the eye of biology. So we have anxiety because back in the cave day, uh, caveman time, it meant we had a predator after us, and that anxiety would help us survive and things like that. So I I really believe that a lot of the internal feelings that we get um, and emotions we get are are wired into us, and they're there for a reason. So. Um, the reason I'm saying that is, is if you have a gut feeling about something within your business, no one's going to know that business what like you know that business. So although you might take advice, um, you might look at look, do a bit more research and things like that. But if you have a gut feeling about something, there's a reason why you've got that gut feeling, and you've started that business. No one else has. You've grown that business to where it is now. You've you've managed to to manoeuvre all of life and business difficulties to your first year, and then hopefully your second year, your third year. So you've done that all because you believed in yourself mm. and you've, you, you know, you knew that there was a, a, a 
you had a voice in you what needed to get out. Um, so I'd say my biggest uh, advice is is being resilient and just believing in yourself, like believing in your gut feeling uh, more than anything. And then secondary to that, as I said before, networking, just network with everybody. Like you said, like with customers, with new suppliers. Um, go try and go to sustainability events. If there's any uh, in the Excel uh, centre, are there any sustainability events? Try and go to them. Try and meet as many people as you possibly can. And you're, you're, you're a likeable person. You're very easy to talk to. You're not sort of somebody who kind of like shies away from a conversation. So talk to as many people as you can. Get to know as many people. Put yourself out there, which again, maybe from obviously the scientific background, you've never had to do. So it might feel a little bit intimidating, but trust me, get yourself out there. People will want to listen to you. Because, and as I said, you hear so much of people on the internet or, or on TV shouting sustainability, shouting, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But they're shouting it and they're not they're not actually giving you the reasons why why we should be doing it. We've just basically been told stupid because we're not doing it. So I think there's a lot to be said for the way you, you handle um, situations and the way you come across. So yeah, so determination, resilience, networking, keep your passion. And just follow your gut instincts. I think I think you'll be all right. I think you're you're definitely doing well from an outside looking in. It looks like you're doing well. Obviously, every business has its difficulties. Um, so, for example, for, for me, so just before Christmas when I started the podcast, I mean the podcast doesn't give me any income. It's just some. It's just a passion of mine. Um, but when I started the podcast, again, not the best use of my time. Before Christmas, I was sitting there thinking, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, I love doing it. I love talking. It's, it's a little bit like therapy to me. Being as, I'm not I'm not somebody who can, um, I don't share my emotions, but I do really like learning about people and learning about other people. So it's kind of like a bit like therapy for me. So I, was, I love doing it. But again, it takes a lot of time. I, I weren't really seeing any results. And then I had, um, I had uh, Steve Kunis reach out to me who wrote um, Catch Me If You Can, Legally Blonde, Ghost, you wrote all them Hollywood big blockbuster films, reached out to me out of nowhere. And I thought, do you know what? I am going to carry on doing this because obviously, randomly, he reached out to me. So someone's listening to me. Someone's obviously enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and, yeah. I think, and obviously, the reason I say that is is you, you don't know from day to day who you're personally affecting and who you're helping. But you are you will be helping somebody like doing doing podcasts like this again i haven't got the biggest platform um i haven't actually released a podcast in about a month now because i've just i just wrote a film and, and we actually just filmed the film six weeks ago so i had other uh, other things but um f doing things like this getting your voice out there utilizing your instagram um, maybe doing sort of TikTok reels because again everything's social media now. Do TikTok reels like a daily update of of what you're doing, what product you've got, why they're good. Um, it's all good information and knowledge. What I think the world is completely shifting now to being more under that, not even acceptance that um, it's, it's people want to go that way rather than just accepting it. People are now pushing that way and, and trying to be more environment friendly because. As you said, it, it's it's it, we live in a, a terrible time. Realistically, it sounds like we've got the apocalypse coming. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and I, and I think people know this, and people sort of know how bad it really is. But mm. they bury their head in the sand a lot. So to, to hear yeah. a voice like yours, where it's like, yeah, it is bad, but this is what we can do. This is how we can help. I think it reassures people a lot as well. 
So it's, I'm sort of going on a little bit, but I do, I really do think everything what you're doing is great. And um, on on the podcast so far, I, I sort of, you're the first person like you I've had on the podcast, but you're the most intriguing person I've had on the podcast, if that makes sense. Like it's normally sort of like pure business people. Like how, what motivated you? How do you do what you do? What got you into that? what past traumas maybe got you into business and, and, and work as hard as you do. But the, the science-based background, what you've got, intrigued me so much. I thought, I've just I've got to get you on the podcast. I just want people to hear you. Even if it's like just my audience here, yeah? at least that's another 100, 150 people who have heard you what might not have heard you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's still a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it gets a bit bigger, it'll be even more. So <laughs> be prepared. Yeah. Oh, thank you. They're all really, really kind words you've just said. So thank you. That's okay. Just, just keep it up. Keep, keep doing you. And um, yeah, definitely. Any, any, any advice? What you need? Just obviously, let me know. Um, conscious thank about you. taking any more of your time. So I, I know you have got the in-laws round. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've so, probably uh, got my dinner ready for me. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, uh, no, I'll let you go, um, but I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you've said, um, and I really do hope that you you carry on. I really do hope this. So it's this Sunday's your first year anniversary yeah. club, yeah. And yeah. what are you doing for that? Uh, so it's the Onga Town Festival on Sunday as well. So we've got. Um, promotion going through the day we've got discount we've got some freebies we've got the local beekeeper that makes our local honey he's coming along in his beekeeping gear and he's doing some honey tasting and demonstrating his equipment and talking all about beekeeping and honey tasting uh, beekeeping and honey making um and yeah i've spoken to him before about it and it's just absolutely fascinating like bees honestly are amazing so interesting so um if you can't make it down i recommend you google it because they really yeah. are amazing so i was actually i actually went to ask you about bees in this podcast but i've noticed that we're over an hour so <laughs> we'll get you back oh, on yeah, again and we'll just time. yeah we'll just talk about bees <laughs> next time but <laughs> um, yeah. where where can people find you uh, so I have a website, um, which is www.refillmill.com. Um, I have Instagram, Facebook, which is at Refill Mill. And I have a shop on Onga High Street, 153 High Street, Onga, CM5, 9JD. Um, I'm open Tuesday to Saturday, close Sundays and Mondays. So if you are local or local-ish, it would be great if you wanted to pop in and see me. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much, Vicky. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been no great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye. See you later. Bye. bye.